Have you ever wondered how your sales performance compares against your competitors and peers? The B2B Sales Benchmark Report provides the definitive guide to what success looks like in 2021. See how you compare in terms of win rate, sales cycle, average deal value, relationships, and engagement. You can see the results and get the full report at ebster.com forward slash B2B dash sales dash benchmarks. We had to have a couple of, we had to have KPIs that are similar across them so we can see how they're doing against each other and things which are specific to each tier on how the reps can grow, how we can grow the business and, and kind of combine the two into how we look at the business in a way that is growing. This is Sales Ops Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in sales operations. We invite the brightest minds in sales ops onto the show to deconstruct the what, why, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by EBSA, a revenue intelligence platform used to identify risk in the pipeline and score customer engagement and is sponsored by the Global Sales Operations Association and the UK Revenue Operations Network. Hello. And welcome to another very special episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. Today, we're joined by Shiv Walia, who is a global sales operations manager at MindBody. Now, MindBody is actually a a company where we've had, I think it's one or two other guests onto the show. So I'm looking forward to uh, diving a little bit deeper into the MindBody sales operations. Shiv, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tom. Now, let's kick off by first understanding your, your route into the game. Uh, when and, and why did you jump into sales operations? Right. Oh, yeah. So that's an interesting story. So let me take you back a couple of years here, uh, more than a couple of years, actually. So I got my MBA from Michigan State. And after that, I, I joined Dell, Dell Computers. Now, Dell is a company that hires a lot of MBAs. And they place them in different parts of the company where they need help with, with strategy and growth. So when I joined in my cohort, it came down, it came down to two of us and, and they had two roles. They had a role in, in finance and a role in sales operations. And we were told that we have to like pick our preference. And if we pick the same thing, then they'll probably intervene and find out who goes where based on a skill set. But if we pick our own separate thing, then it's good to go. And lucky enough, I picked sales operations and the other guy picked finance. So I guess you could say that what brought me here is sheer luck. That's, what, that's uh, how I got here. But what's been keeping me here is, is being in a function where I found like-minded people, where you work a lot with analytics. And I love that. And since you... Since sales is, is your main customer, those are the guys that we're supporting. 
I like that. That always keeps it fun and challenging. And that's something I've been loving to do. Yeah, sales being the customer is uh, is an insight that has popped up before. And I think is there a healthy way to look at yeah. the, the role of sales ops in the organization? My My next question is, you, um, you're working at Accenture in Bangalore and then at another role in Kenya. And this might be a little bit off the wall, but do you think that your experiences in those different cultures has helped you in the sales ops role at MindBody? Oh, yeah, it, it definitely has. And actually, it has in very different ways. So I, I went to undergrad in India uh, and I worked there for two years after that. So I was in India for a total of six years. And being in India, I would say what I learned, uh, the key thing is, is to strive for excellence. So India being a country of, of a billion people, there's a very common saying there. If you're one in a million, there are a thousand people like you, you know, and that's, and that's something that always like stuck with me and, and kind of what always drove me like to do, to do better. And if I want, and I knew that if I want to get more of, out of my career, I got to be the best. And that's what I learned from there. And now Kenya is where I, I grew up, up until high school. I was born and raised in Kenya. So being in that country, uh, of course, I'm kind of impartial to it, but it's, it's a fun place. You know, people there are very chilled out. So that, that kind of, it made me very easy going. But since it's a country which is, is still it's still very developing in terms of the economy. The resources there have been scarce. And when I, I grew up, it was pretty scarce. And that means that I learned how to do more with less resources. So a combination of both of these, I think I kind of got, got the best of both worlds is that it made me easy going, but I also strive for, I also strive for excellence. So I do set high expectations from me and the people I work with. But I'm also not a prick and I kind of expect too much out of people and kind of keep the balance uh, in the people I work with and even in my personal life. Yep. It was very interesting insights from those cultures. Um, yeah. I, I think it shows significant self-awareness to come up with those insights from, from those experiences. Let's get a bit more specific sales ops wise now. You spent Great. approximately six years at Dell. Can you share a couple of, or one or two examples of something that you implemented there from a sales ops perspective that uh, either made the rest more productive, boosted revenue, saved costs, and just to give the audience a taste of what you have achieved? Okay. Well, yeah. So yeah, in those, you know, six years, I think I did a lot that dealt with the, the productivity and helping with, and helping with, with the revenue generation part. Uh, so in terms of productivity, I think I really got into it uh, a, a couple of years into my role when I was, I was actually supporting the entire North America business in the, the SMB part of it. And because it's, it's a big company, right? So, so the, the, the number of sales reps I was, I was supporting is a thousand sales reps. And, and they were tiered into those who work with the small, the small businesses and the medium businesses and the customers who, who Dell is trying to acquire. So having all these all these different tiers, we had to have uh, a couple of we had to have KPIs that are similar across them. 
so we can see how they're doing against each other and things which are specific to each tier on how the reps can grow, how we can grow the business and, and kind of combine the two into how we look at the business in a way that is growing. So that was a piece where I looked at, at the stack ranking of reps, is that how is the pipeline activity, how are they doing in terms of the quota, are they reaching out to enough customers, and are they doing activities over the quarter that is leading to revenue. So just seeing how they, how they stack up against each other and how they're doing in terms of progressing the business, that was a big part of the productivity. And, and I think one of the projects I worked on, which took actually a couple of years, is, is the process improvement. Now, if you're dealing with a sales team that's big, of course, there are a ton of processes. And in sales operations, there's always something you're trying to solve for, right? So one of the biggest things I worked on is improving the compensation structure. And that, of course, like as a sales rep, there's absolutely nothing more important than compensation, right? And I found out that, so when, it's not me who found it, but there was a problem with uh, the compensation structure and I stepped in, I followed the entire process and I kind of looked at how we can improve this and where, and where all the gaps are. And one of the things I found that the problem that we that, that thought it was, it was slightly bigger than that. So I worked with so many stakeholders across across the company and so many teams and trying to figure out where all the gaps are, how do we improve them, and what are, are the cost savings or additional revenue we can get out of it in terms of getting together a business case. So I created that and I worked with the team of around, I think it took around like like, like five, six teams and, and a whole like target team was made to solve this. And over like one year, we made a significant number of process uh, of improvements in the process and the tools that we use in the conversation structure. All right. So a, a number of different things. Could you, just to get a bit more, even more specific is, could you share one of the improvements that you made to the process just so it becomes very clear to us? So I think, so yeah, this was aid if an order is placed through a partner. You know, uh, of course, they're a big company like Dell has so many different partners and they had a specific process. And when I got into that process, I found out that there are some partners who are the big players and that process is very efficient. But when it comes to compensating for our small partners, and even that they were in, in hundreds, if not thousands, the process is broken and no one is really looking into it because it's just, it's small numbers, but it really, it really adds up. So I worked with the partner team and really like, you know, followed the process from start to end and saw where are the small gaps or the small black holes where, where no one is realizing what's happening and it's not being discovered. And I kind of brought that into discovery and I worked with the teams to find out how it can be improved. And I kind of developed, I kind of developed a new process of making that better. Cool. And do you have any, you know, any recommendations for, for anyone listening about how, how you might go and, and, you know, find those gaps? So how, how, you know, what was, did you sort of big learn? How did you sort of find that um, 
any things you've taken since then that you've you've used to sort of identify those kind of gaps in a comp plan? I would say the biggest thing I've learned in all in all these years is to try to do a bit of role playing. That has, uh, and some of it I've learned the hard way, but that has been key in finding out where the process breaks. If I have a problem that a sales rep or, or a sales team has, I sit with that person or that team and I go through the entire process and, and I see exactly what the break is. If there are dependencies, I go to those teams and I find out how their process is and where their blocks are. Because that's, I mean, especially in this case, I talked to it, I talked to a number of different teams and found out that what one person thinks is happening in the back end, that's not what's happening. And sometimes I've also learned this the hard way, you know, sometimes you take over a process and someone tells you that that's the data. It comes from, I don't know, let's say the finance team and you create all these, all these like analytics and you pass it on. And then as you do it, like if you keep doing that, at some point you might realize the person whom I took over from, he wasn't doing the right thing. And or there can be so many places where it can be improved. So if you're taking over a process or you're starting a new thing, it's, it's, it's always good to spend a life in the day of the person who is affected by it and seeing how it can be improved. Makes total sense. Now let's, let's bring us forward to today to MindBody. Could you break down the structure of the sales function and also the ops team? Uh, I, I understand you guys, this, they're the marketplace. Um, so which side of the marketplace? How many reps are you working with and how many people in the ops team? Right, yeah. So our sales team, as a company, we operate in around 30, 40 countries, but our sales team is in three major countries. So majority of our of our sales team are either in the United States, Australia, or in the UK office. So that's where they're based. And and each of these teams has their own has their own sales of supporting group. So all the day to day running, they have a team in the same location, and all the things with uh, with Salesforce and alignment and daily tracking of this is done where they are. But because we're headquartered in the United States, a lot of the things which are done in terms of, of reporting for the entire sales team or, or things that we look at for that is, that is like standardized across teams, that is pretty much done over here. So the day-to-day is done in their in the own countries, but a lot of, of the common analytics and performance is done here. Makes sense. And how many people in the ops team? Uh, I would say we have around like in into like 60 to 70. Awesome. And are they broken down between those three core countries that the reps are, are within or in some other way? Yeah. Yes, yes. They're broken down into their own countries and some of them have a function which is for the global team. So either it's if it's the UK team or the US team, it's one person doing that. Makes sense. Awesome. What are you and the ops team focused on as we go into 2021? Well, that's a great question. So right now, I would say that my focus is pretty much on finding ways, or finding ways 
to accelerate the business. I know that at this time, it could be a very like unpopular opinion because we're just coming right of, because uh, we're just coming out of a very difficult phase in 2020. And, and you could have that notion where you need to consolidate or, or kind of like, you know, save money right now. But I really think that, you know, with the digital transformation that has been happening because of COVID, it is a time where you need to find a lot of ways on how you can make improvements and accelerate the business. Because if you're not doing it, definitely your competitor is, is definitely doing it. Or there is a new company out there that's going to start doing it. So like pretty much our focus is, is to get out of the recovery phase and try to find ways of, of increasing our revenue streams. If possible, and I understand this may be sensitive, could you share just some ideas that you're exploring around that, as long as it's not sensitive, obviously, to the business? Uh, well, uh, let me see what I can share. Um, obviously, one thing we always like looking to is how we can increase our revenue. And that is if we can have any new product offerings, if we can add a couple of, uh, of more tiers into the software we sell, you know, anything that will help us share a larger market uh, that's out there and anything that will be, that's going to do like differentiate us from the rest of our competitors. Makes total sense. And, and this is like the glory work of sales ops, right? There's, we had a recent yeah, guest on where we're, we're talking about the difference between strategy and operations and how you balance that. This is like the core strategy, like the exciting stuff, but you're only able to work on that if you have the operation dialed down, which I assume you guys do, which is freeing uh, strategic resources up like yourself to to explore. So th that makes total sense. Shiv, fi final question. Who in the world of sales ops would you most like to take for lunch? Oh, that's an interesting one. Um, I guess that would be Hillary Headley. She was in... I think it was at my body before I was here and she spent some years here and she, I, I, I don't know if she built or she had a very big role in how our sales team and, and our sales ops team is structured right now. And she is now the head of sales operations at Zoom. And Zoom, of course, is doing great things right now. So I think that, uh, you know, that would be a person whom I would love to meet and kind of uh, learn from and understand, like, you know, even, even maybe talk about how she has progressed her career and made changes and how we can learn from that. I totally agree. We, a couple of people have mentioned her as their, their lunch date, not lunch date, their lunch guest. <laughs> um, and yeah, we, we, Hillary, if you're listening, we would love to bring you on the show. Um, Shiv. Yeah, Thank you so much for coming on. The, the core thing that I think I've, I've taken away from this interview is obviously your super interesting and self-aware insights from the work in the, in India and Kenya. But it's the, 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 the excitement that came onto your face when you started talking about the, the, what you're focusing on 2021 and the, the glory of the strategy work that I think that uh, anybody listening, um, can, can have that excitement. But obviously once you have the operations down. So I think it's that the, uh, once you have, everything under control, then you get to do this this cool stuff. Or, or at least I think it's cool, and I think you think it's cool as well, right, Shiv? So. Yeah, 
Yeah. Mm. Shiv, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Dom. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sales of Demystified podcast. If you are listening on a podcast listening application, then please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you have any questions about the show, if you know a guest, or if you have any questions about sales operations, just hit me up at tomhunt at ebster.com. That's tomhunt at ebster.com.